Hello, and welcome to the Association of Academic Physiatrists podcast for graduating PM&R residents, featuring career opportunities outside the traditional setting. Today, we will be hearing from Dr. Leon Chandler. Dr. Chandler joins us from the Carolinas Healthcare System, where he is the director of the PM&R Consult Service. He is board certified in physical medicine and rehabilitation, as well as brain injury medicine. He is also an adjunct professor at University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill School of Medicine, Department of PM&R. I'm Dr. Aaron Gilbert, an assistant professor at Northwestern Feinberg School of Medicine in the Shirley Ryan Ability Lab, formerly known as RIC. I will be hosting the podcast. Welcome to the program. Hi, everyone. It's certainly an honor and a privilege to be able to talk to you all today. When I started my career, I did locum tenens for a while, so I'm very excited to hear about what you have to tell our audience today about the wide variety of non-traditional options for a physiatrist. To start, tell us a little bit about your pathway into PM&R and the experiences in your career. Of course. I attended the Johns Hopkins University as an undergraduate majoring in public health, natural sciences. From there, I returned home to Brooklyn, New York, where I grew up and attended SUNY Downstate College of Medicine. Later... I completed my PM&R residency at the Temple University Hospital Moss Rehab Program. I've been at Carolina's Rehabilitation since graduating residency. I ran an inpatient stroke and amputee service in the past. Now, I currently spend most of my clinical time as the lead consulting physiatrist at our system's flagship 800-plus bed hospital and in the outpatient brain injury and amputee clinic. As much as I continue to enjoy the aforementioned duties, I consider myself a lifelong learner and intellectually curious. As such, I've engaged in diverse opportunities outside of the clinic and the hospital floors. As I've become more experienced, opportunities to do peer review and consultation in the disability, medical cost containment, and workers' compensation industries have been plentiful. I'm also certified to do independent medical examinations. Telemedicine is an exciting, growing industry and one in which I have participated in as well. Clinical product value analysis was really a thought-provoking experience as it helped me appreciate innovative ideas and encouraged me to think of my own ideas. Along the same lines, being a panelist for a major physician's social media platform has helped me provide strategic feedback, beta test, and give product advice. I'd also say that I've had a couple experiences that, while clinical, were somewhat non-traditional. These included being a ringside physician for USA Boxing and doing medical mission work in the Caribbean. I even did some medical writing for a local newspaper and our system's marketing department. It's been quite a journey. I'll say. Why did you decide to pursue opportunities outside of a purely clinical or academic track? The motivations were as diverse as the opportunities themselves. For example, the medical mission work was based on humanitarian considerations. Being a good global citizen both near and far is important to me. That's the reason why I did the medical writing, as my topics were mainly geared to ethnic minority populations with disproportionately adverse health outcomes. Telemedicine just intrigued me. In particular, the opportunity to deliver a low-cost, high-quality healthcare product to supplement more established care delivery models is exciting. Some patients benefit because of the on-demand and even after-hours access it affords them. Others benefit because telemedicine can circumvent issues related to lack of proximity to providers or other barriers such as transportation. We as physiatrists are very attuned to this issue, especially among the disabled. 
I've done hundreds of non-clinical consulting peer review reports in the disability, cost containment, and workers' compensation industries. I think this type of work can be beneficial to the consultant, the claimant or patient, and society as a whole. For example, I've learned a lot by familiarizing myself with evidence-based guidelines that these industries use. That has helped me better manage my own patients. In addition, the opportunities can be lucrative, ranging from $150 an hour for file review up to $500 an hour for independent medical examinations. Societally, these industries often help reduce fraud, waste, and abuse. They align patients and claimants with evidence-based care and help guide healthcare providers' decision-making towards optimal outcomes. Clinical product value analysis was something I'd never even heard of until our healthcare system made a strategic partnership with a healthcare innovation company. I'm always interested in new ideas, inventions, and such. I mean, who doesn't like stuff like Shark Tank? The innovation company reached out to the physiatrists in our system to help review new inventions or modified inventions such as new prosthetic technology. It was certainly rewarding to contribute to product development that one day may change the way care is delivered and make patients' lives better. There are those who do this type of work full-time or are paid consulting fees. Similarly, I've had a chance to work as a panelist advisor to a major physician social media company. To those qualified and dedicated, there are opportunities for compensation. Though I do not receive compensation from them, they offer fellowships that come with stock compensation. I'm no longer active, but I used to be a boxing ringside physician. I was presented with an opportunity to do this dating back to residency days with one of my buddies from residency with a local attending. It was fun blending my healthcare expertise with my love for sports, and in particular being a martial artist myself. At one point in time, I was interested in becoming a sports medicine physician, and so it was a very natural fit at the time. I bring up these examples with which I am personally familiar, but the list of opportunities for physiatrists is far more expansive. It seems like there's a very wide scope of opportunities for physiatrists. Could you fill us in on the range of these possibilities? Absolutely. Independent medical examinations. This is one of the more natural fits for physiatrists seeking opportunities outside of traditional clinical settings. Using the physical exam skills honed during training, familiarity with evidence-based resources, and using the guides for the evaluation of permanent impairment published by the American Medical Association, a physiatrist is well-positioned to evaluate and render opinions regarding impairment, especially in cases of musculoskeletal and neurologic disease. There is no physician-patient relationship established in an IME. IME physicians often participate in legal proceedings such as depositions or courtroom testimony. As I alluded to before, highly sought-after IME physicians can earn up to $500 per hour, though market factors including competition can drive the rates lower. Disability reviews. Disability reviews are another very common option for physiatrists because we are physicians who specialize in the evaluation and management of various medical conditions that impact function and disability. Unlike IMEs, where there is a physical examination, disability reviews are typically file reviews which may or may not include surveillance video. The physiatrist consultant is tasked with synthesizing data from medical records and interview of treating physicians to determine restrictions and limitations on functional activities within a reasonable degree of medical certainty.
consultants need a familiarity with Department of Labor classifications of activity, such as sedentary or light duty, etc. Because there is no face-to-face encounter and much less likelihood of legal encounters, the compensation for disability reviews is less than that of IMEs. Think $150 to $200 per hour. Medical cost containment. This and related fields, such as utilization review, are important mechanisms by which the insurance industry seeks to keep healthcare expenditures in check. While we as physiatrists must advocate for our patients, society as a whole mandates that resources be allocated in a responsible and evidence-based fashion. For example, when a chronic pain patient is being prescribed the newest, most expensive medication for opioid-induced constipation, but hasn't yet been tried on over-the-counter options, we as physiatrists have the knowledge base to educate a prescribing physician and save healthcare costs with a good consultation. My experience is that these reviews are compensated a little less favorably than disability file reviews. But these reviews are very rewarding in the potential impact on an individual's future treatments. I often advocate for interventions like smoking cessation programs, formal weight loss programs, and biopsychosocial interventions, in addition to pharmacologic and physical therapy interventions in these cases. Medical writing. As I mentioned earlier, I've done some volunteer medical writing for the benefit of my community. However, there are full-time medical writing opportunities for physiatrists. A former trainee of mine is a full-time medical writer. The opportunities vary widely from writing CME content, patient education material, and regulatory writing. Some people freelance and do it part-time versus being employees of a content company. Most sources give an annual salary range in the $60,000 to $75,000 range. Obviously, results can vary, and this might be one of the more lifestyle-oriented options. Telemedicine and telehealth. Telemedicine is the delivery of medical care, including diagnosis and treatment remotely via the use of telecommunications technology, including over the Internet. While the specific field of telerehabilitation is largely therapist-driven, there are physicians who assess specific problems via this method. Telehealth is a little broader and can encompass health education without actual treatment and may have public health applications. To date, I'm not aware of any published data about how much a physiatrist can expect to be compensated for telemedicine consultations. My experience is that rates vary anywhere from $30 to $50 for either phone or video consultations lasting 10 to 20 minutes, depending on the specific platform or problem being addressed. Advisors to pharma and medical device companies. Earlier, I mentioned that there are opportunities for physicians, including physiatrists, to advise pharmaceutical and medical device companies. According to ProPublica, in an article entitled Dollars for Docs, between 2013 and 2015, payments to physicians for consulting or promotional talks totaled $6.25 billion, with the highest-earning physician being paid $54.1 million. According to StarkCompliance.com, Fair Market Value Calculator, a physiatrist should expect compensation of $117 per hour, so that can be a guide as to what to expect for advice to pharma and medical device companies. Obviously, individual expertise and demand could lead to substantially different compensation. 
investing, and entrepreneurship. I trained with a physiatrist who is now a co-founder of a data analytics company that combines augmented and virtual reality and artificial intelligence after managing the human interfaces group at NASA's Jet Propulsion Laboratory. Another physiatrist that I know is a medical director of a fitness wearable device company that was recently acquired by household name publicly traded watch and accessories company. Insurance industry. While disability, IME, and cost containment referrals originate from the insurance industry, some physiatrists take a more direct role working for insurance companies. This is typically as a medical director. Median salaries are around $250,000 per year. They typically supervise a team of other health professionals and make utilization and coverage determinations. In the physiatry realm, this typically entails approving things like acute versus subacute versus outpatient rehabilitation programs. It can also entail approvals for other treatments, including medications and durable medical equipment. Medical science liaison. This is an employee of a pharmaceutical or medical device company that builds relationships with physicians and other thought leaders, exchanges scientific information, and helps build strategic plans to meet the goals of their company. While they support sales and marketing efforts, they are not the same as a drug sales rep. As a physician, expert, there is added credibility of the discourse with the target physicians. Those interested in this should know that there's a lot of travel expected. I'm not aware of physiatrist-specific compensation numbers, but an average medical science liaison salary might be $150,000. Like most other opportunities, individual factors can influence that for the better or worse. Expert witnessing. Medical expert witnessing can be a very lucrative opportunity for all physicians, including physiatrists. Some estimates relate that rates for prep work can be $300 to $375 per hour, while testimony time can be $500 per hour. This work is all about leveraging expert knowledge and reputation in the medical legal arena and is non-clinical. Research. For physiatrists with a background and familiarity with doing research, this can be an option career-wise. This type of work is typically dependent on obtaining grant money. Sources such as the NIH and other government-supported agencies are often tapped to support one's salary and a research protocol. Research efforts can also be industry-sponsored. Research is such a broad field, and the possibilities are diverse. Physiatrists can participate in projects with funding for a few thousand dollars, which might be supplemental to an otherwise clinical career. Alternatively, grants for hundreds of thousands of dollars can support full-time work for years. This career path is typically pursued in an academic institution. Another option is to be part of a contract research organization. CROs run clinical trials, provide medical and clinical monitoring, data management, statistical analysis, and report writing. Physiatrists who are familiar with the drug development process are a good fit here. From what I've seen, a CRO physician might expect to make in the $200,000 to $250,000 range per year. Administration. For those with excellent leadership skills, administration, whether in combination with clinical duties or not, may be an option. This usually entails management of a department, hospital, clinic, or even a healthcare system. 
There are well-known physiatrists who are chief medical officers and hold or have held other high-ranking executive positions in large, well-known institutions. Other than good leadership, these positions usually require experience and understanding of operational and budgetary principles, which are not necessarily taught in PM&R residency. However, additional training is readily available in the form of Masters of Health Administration. Alternatively, continuing medical education courses and professional health executive associations may be a good resource if one desires that path. The specific position obviously determines the compensation, but a physician executive would be expected to make upwards of $300,000 with potential for substantially more. Obviously, the opportunities I've discussed do not encompass the entire panoply of what is available to physiatrists with diverse skill sets and interests. Other interesting non-traditional settings for physiatrists include humanitarian, mission-based work. One well-known global organization pays its physicians less than $2,000 a month. Obviously, this option is for those who have a calling and a sense of conviction to a cause that trumps financial incentive. Others may choose to effect change on a population basis with public policy or governmental involvement. This was just to increase the awareness for what's out there and to help physiatrists explore and discover their own path. So many options. Why is PM&R so well-suited for this type of career? That's a great question. Physiatrists can choose to integrate non-traditional clinical and non-clinical work into a largely clinical practice, so they are not mutually exclusive. These opportunities leverage skill sets that many physiatrists already possess. What kind of demand do you see? PM&R is a diverse, growing field whose physicians are in high demand in both clinical and non-clinical settings. But why would a physiatrist want to consider adding non-traditional opportunities to his or her career? Many of these opportunities may afford flexible schedules and work-life balance opportunities. These opportunities can be intellectually stimulating, contributing to the lifelong learning process, and in some cases may improve clinical knowledge and outcomes. These opportunities can add meaningfully also to income earning potential. Do you think that there's an optimal time in a physiatrist's career to start pursuing one of these? Again, another great question. The answer is it depends. Some opportunities require several years of experience to be viable candidates, such as expert witnessing, and most peer review, such as disability and cost containment. Others, like medical writing or research, can be initiated fairly early on in residency. Generally speaking, during residency, young physiatrists in training should focus on acquiring as much breadth and depth of knowledge as possible in core PM&R, the bread and butter, so to speak. There's plenty of time after residency to formally engage in all of these options. The knowledge base built up focusing on the core allows one to be a better candidate for more esoteric and diverse career opportunities. However, this should not deter someone who has a very specific goal in mind from researching the area of interest, networking with people in the industry, going to continuing education events, and doing electives that increase exposure. Some opportunities are so rare that when they come up, if one is genuinely interested, you should go for it. It's also good to note that physiatrists, like other physicians, may look for these type of opportunities at transition points in life or career, that require a change in work-life balance. For example, a parent who may want to spend more time at home with a child or loved one might opt for file reviews or medical writing 
that can be performed from home with great flexibility. Some physiatrists seek out these opportunities because of the unfortunately growing problem of physician burnout in clinical medicine. Sometimes, resiliency training and other measures to stay in one setting are not enough. Sometimes what's needed is a change of scenery. With all of the options above, there are ample chances to do that. Other times when a physiatrist may pursue these opportunities include as they approach retirement and are down from a busy clinical practice. Even others might consider these as work reentry options after some time away from medicine for whatever reason. I'm curious, how if someone would get started? Are there resources to help find the best opportunities? There are several different paths to finding these type of opportunities. One easy way is attending national physiatric professional meetings and conferences where some of the companies in these industries recruit. Another is to use professional acquaintances and mentors who have had experience in these fields. They can point you to the opportunities that make sense. Yet another way is to do some internet research about the area of interest and you will readily find the companies that are hiring and what requirements they have. You can also use professional social media sites like LinkedIn and Doximity. The physician, resident, and student blogs, of which there are several, can also be a good resource. Lastly, the most comprehensive resource is a national education publishing and consulting company called SEEK, S-E-A-K, Incorporated. This company markets fairly frequently with mailers to physicians and is an excellent resource to learn about non-clinical physician opportunities. Just to clarify, I have no financial relationship with this entity. As for what a good opportunity looks like, that again depends on the individual physiatrist's perspective. A good opportunity is market competitive in compensation, does not pose undue risk to work-life balance, and meets the goals of the individual with respect to professional development and interest. If a resident were interested, is there anything she or he should be doing while still in training? Like I said earlier, because the fields are so diverse, the best advice I have for a resident physiatrist is to learn the fundamentals of our great specialty. Be thoughtful and opportunistic when something that interests you comes along and use electives to network with people who are doing what you want to do. Also, grand rounds and research presentations are also a good opportunity to get an in-depth knowledge base on a topic and develop ideas about various career paths. Talk to mentors or former graduates of your program to see if they have any experience as they can help you avoid pitfalls. So what are the downsides? Any pitfalls to be avoided? Like all aspects of medicine, and yes, life in general, there are going to be trade-offs or sacrifices to be made. The specific risks or pitfalls will be very different depending on the specific work being done. Some consulting positions put a physiatrist in the uncomfortable and unusual position of not advocating for a patient or claimant, but rather opposing them in medical legal proceedings or denying access to services requested. For example, IMEs can be challenging from an ethical standpoint as it can be hard to avoid being a, quote, hired gun who always sides with the entity sending you the lucrative referrals. Another risk of IMEs is that while there's no physician-patient relationship, the IME physician is subject to malpractice suits. This is scary considering many of the claimants may already be litigious and be upset by an adverse IME opinion. You should be aware that perception of your professional character and ability may be adversely affected by participation in many of these opportunities. Some people think that because you're not in a clinical setting that you're, quote, not a real doctor since you're not taking care of patients. In fact, 
many times you may have to communicate a difference of professional opinion about patient care with another physician who already has a negative opinion of what you do. This can lead to adversarial encounters. Be prepared. While these opportunities can be a boon for work-life balance if they are the primary employment for a physiatrist, if one is using these as a supplement, great care must be exercised to not let oneself get overworked. Some companies in the same industry might have different work assignment methods. Some disability review companies always ask whether you'll take a case, while others ask for your availability and, once available, assign you volume that might reduce your absolute flexibility. If doing work for supplemental income, make sure you retain as much control of when you work as possible. Some opportunities inherently have large upfront financial investment. Investing specifically in smaller or startup companies is by no means a guarantee of profits and can be financially detrimental if the opportunity is not the right one. If you don't have a business or finance background, seek professional advice beforehand. Just because you're a physician, it doesn't mean you know enough to be a great investor in a health-related company. Know the prospectus well. Know the valuations and financial ratios of the company you're planning to invest in. Some companies target physicians who may not be sophisticated enough to know the nuance of the investing financial aspects of a company, even though they know the basic or clinical science behind a company. If you pursue an opportunity, don't over-leverage yourself and only invest what you think you can withstand losing. Another pitfall is allowing erosion of your clinical skills. It might be hard to keep up physical exam skills, for example, if you're in an office all day on a computer writing reports. Some peer review companies actually require that you spend a certain amount of clinical time so that they can be assured skills and knowledge are up to date. Yet another pitfall is allowing your supplemental work to affect the quality of the work you do at your primary place of employment. In extreme cases, there could be issues of conflict of interest and violations of non-competition clauses. There are so many permutations of things that can go awry, but this is not unlike clinical medicine. One final and probably most important pitfall to avoid is doing it just for money. Invariably, just like in clinical medicine, there will be situations that test your resolve and make you question your motivation. If it's just for money, you will either burn out or be bitter. Choose something that you like doing because it interests you, makes healthcare better, either on an individual or population basis, and or makes you more knowledgeable. So what opportunities do you see the future bringing? The way I think about this question is with the big picture so-called macro trends in not only healthcare, but also technology and the consumer sectors. I think physiatrists with some understanding of personalized medicine or catering to the individual needs of a patient based on genomic factors, as well as capable of integrating the deluge of big data such as informatics, that will be available from each patient will be highly sought after by tech and healthcare companies. Population trends favor an expanding class of elderly patients with physiatric issues common to the aging process. But ever-tightening budgetary concerns mean that care delivery models have to be reinvented and reassessed. Thus, there will be more opportunities for physiatrists in the entrepreneurship and invention categories. There will also be better telerehabilitation protocols. Physiatrists should not just cede these opportunities to the therapist realm, but rather get more involved. Dr. Chandler, thank you so much for sharing your insights and experience today. 
On behalf of the Association for Academic Physiatrists, we'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast. More information on the podcast, the American Journal of PM&R, including the Journal iPad app, can be found on the AAP website at physiatry.org. I'm Aaron Gilbert. I want to thank you very much for listening to our podcast.